is. We're so glad you guys are here this evening at True Life Church for our 6 p.m. candlelight service. My name is Josh, I'm the lead pastor here. And for the past few weeks, we've been going on this series we're calling Christmas in Reverse. And we're doing that because we're taking a kind of a, maybe a new look or a, a, a fresh look at the Christmas story that we can become too used to. And so we started way, way, way ahead of time where Jesus was already born and the wise men came and visited him. And we're getting up where we're at tonight. And the wise men came, and, and a few weeks ago we really settled on this, this point where the Magi visited Jesus, that wise men still seek Jesus. It wasn't a tradition or something that just happened once and done 2,000 years ago, and that's it, that's great. Wise men you know, went after Jesus, they searched for him, they found him, and done. No, you are still wise today if you are a man or a woman who seeks out Jesus. And when you search for Jesus, when you seek for Jesus, when you go on a journey for Jesus, yeah, you're going to have some mountains to go over. There's going to be a distance that you're going to have to travel. There might be a, a weight of a burden or something that you are actually going to present to Jesus when you meet Him. And if we're honest with ourselves, some of us have already left on this Christmas journey and we forgot a gift. We weren't ready for the trip. And suddenly now it's Christmas Eve and it's here and we just don't feel prepared to actually meet Jesus. You are still wise if you seek Him. So that's the question. Are you going to actually seek Jesus this Christmas? Is it going to be about giving to Him rather than receiving for you? Last Sunday we looked at the story of Mary and Joseph one in Matthew and one in Luke, and kind of pulled that together and realized that, that even in Mary and Joseph, they had to be the first people to accept Jesus. And we often breeze past that point. Because very easy for us to come, again, just kind of desensitized to the whole story. And like, no, Mary and, and Joseph, earthly parents to Jesus, had to be the first to actually accept Him. This Christmas, so do we. You see, it's easy for us to accept a baby. Babies are sweet, you know, babies are innocent, they, they don't really you know, do anything wrong, they can't. And that's why Christmas is so popular. And we looked at some survey statistics about just what, what that is. Now, 96% of Christians celebrate Christmas, and, and 80% of all Americans celebrate Christmas. 81% of those who have no religion. Only 65% of all of those people actually believe that what they read in the Bible actually happened. There's a huge disconnect Mary and Joseph had to be the first to accept Jesus. That's us this year as well. It's easy again for Christmas to, to accept a baby. But we run into some problems when we do that. Because it's easy to accept a baby infant Jesus because this is the Jesus before He starts telling us how we should live our lives. This is, this is the Jesus that before He starts turning tables in the, in the temple. This is the Jesus before He starts doing miracles that we cannot explain. This is the Jesus before He makes us self-aware of our sin and hangs on a cross for us. And then rises again. We can't really understand that because when has that ever happened in human history? Ever. See, this is the Jesus that's easy to accept, but the problem we run into is that only accepting baby Jesus and not grown-up Jesus or crucified Jesus or, or risen-again Jesus, that once every 12 months this season comes around, we find ourselves maybe in a candlelight service, and this season becomes about how He came, not about what He came to do. 
We can make this season all about how He came and not about what He came to do. You see, Jesus came to give us new life, new hope. He came to restore our relationship with God the Father and left us with the Holy Spirit as a guide in this life. He came to bear our sin on a cross that we might live again through Him. To find salvation from, from a fallen world. And some of us, if we're honest again, we never get past the manger. We stop here permanently in our faith or our belief. It becomes a stable environment for us. That was a joke from last Sunday. You see, we can dwell so much on how He came into the world that we can forget what He came to do in the world and in us. And so we're going to continue and finish out this Christmas in reverse tonight. We're going to go way back, 800 years in fact or so, before Jesus was ever born. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Isaiah. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there's some over to your left underneath the uh, prayer board. I'm sure Jay and Paul and some of our, the leaders in our church would be happy to get those for you. If you don't have a Bible of your own at all, uh, please take this home with you. Write your name in it in permanent ink. This is going to be the least of the gifts we can give you this Christmas season to give you the Word of God. So you may need to turn on your apps or your smartphones or anything like that and, and turn with me to the, the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. And we're going to call this Christmas in reverse, and He shall be called... Verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I love that song that we did earlier uh, the Joy of the World, the Jeremy Kent version, with this little breakdown of, this, of actually this text. And we got a chance to sing it. And it might not have sounded like Handel's Messiah, you know, and he shall be called. You know, it might not, but we get a chance to respond. We get a chance to, to sing along with these words that we often just don't really pay too much attention to. So we're going to break down this scripture tonight and really dive deep into who Jesus was prophesied to be for us so that we can accept Him once again this Christmas season. So let's break this down. To us, a child is born. So it's us, so let's say that together. To us, a child is born. Let's try that one more time. To us, a child is born. You see, all these names that we're getting ready to dive into, who he was born to be for us, it's not necessarily what he was called. They're, they're identities of who he is. Let's put it this way. It, you could call me vision impaired because I have these, but that's not my name. Right? Four eyes was something, you know, back in fourth grade. You could call me balding, and that'd be true, but that's not my name. You could call me tall, because maybe I'm taller than you are, and that might be true, but that's not my name. That's not my identity. Those are descriptor words, descriptor names of who I am. And this passage here for us does the same thing about Jesus. Jesus was actually prophesied a chapter or two before in, in, in Isaiah chapter 7. It said, you were talking to the virgin, you're going to call him, if you know the word, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And if you've ever been confused or hung up on this whole Emmanuel, Jesus, Messiah, how many names does this guy have thing, we're going to clear that up tonight and why. You see, Emmanuel means, anybody know? God with us. 
Emmanuel means God with us, and that's really just a fantastic placeholder to hold a spot in Scripture until Jesus is actually born. They don't know what his actual name is going to be, so they write here, the three writers, or three or four writers, we believe, in, in the book of Isaiah, they write down, hey, he's going to be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And they're trying to be as literal as they can, like thousands of years later, 800 years later, whenever this prophecy gets fulfilled, there's going to be God with you. And they're like, I don't know how else to put this down, but God with you. Baby, born, human, walking around on this planet Earth, literally God with you. And so that's what we're going to call him until he actually arrives. And then Matthew chapter 2, you know, the angel speaks to, to Joseph and tells him what to call him. And they, he tells him to call him what? Jesus. Does anyone know what the word Jesus means, the name means? Yeshua means God saves. And suddenly this starts to make sense for us. The, the Emmanuel placeholder is, listen, God's going to be with you in human form, divine Yet man, boom, in a form of a baby, he's going to be walking around with you, God with you, and then when he's actually here, he's called what? God saves. That's why he came. That's who he is in his name. So when we're reading these, these verses tonight, and these names, they're descriptor words of who Jesus is. But his name means that he saves To us, a son is given. Now, a son being given is different than a son being born. And if we've just read this in the first verse, for to us, a child is born. We said that together. But now it says almost in a, it's not redundant, it's saying in a completely different way. To us, a son is given. And again, a son being given, offered as a sacrifice, is completely different than just a son being born. Jesus was given to be the sacrifice for the sin of the entire world, yours and mine. And in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says this, For God so loved the world that He gave, there it is, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And then it keeps going in verse 17, For God did not, again, and there it is, send His Son, into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be, here's that word, saved. Saved through Him. That's Jesus' name. Boom. Right there. And again, all of a sudden, there's a light bulb moment for some of us where, oh my gosh, this starts making sense. And I've never thought about this. Emmanuel, Jesus, Savior connection before. Let's keep going in Isaiah. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. Now the original word translated here is misra. Misra. And it's only found in two places. This verse and the following verse right after it. Kind of fun, right? And our concept of government, the way it gets translated, is it really falls short because what this word here literally means is that a brand new kingdom is going to come into the world carried on the back of this Savior. And this is why when after this baby, Jesus, grows up and is, is being questioned by Pontius Pilate before he's crucified, he says that his kingdom is not of this world, because it's not. This kingdom is made up of, of the hearts and the, and the lives that call him the king. And for those that do call him the king of their life, all the weight 
of our pain, of our sadness, of our loss, of our dreams and our hopes and our fears and our frustrations and our concerns, all of that weight is upon His shoulders. Not ours. And He shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And here's where things start to get a little bit interesting. If you have a pen or pencil and you've got your own personal Bible, I want you to encourage you to just write a comma in between the words Wonderful and Counselor. Because it's not here in your Bible or mine or in the text, but there's actually a really big separation here. When we dive into the ancient Hebrew texts, put a comma between wonderful and counselor. Why? Because the first part of this word, peleh, wonderful, literally means astonishing or, or miraculous and hard to understand. Now, why would we put that with counselor? Who would want a hard-to-understand counselor? I wouldn't. Would you? Nobody. Nobody wants a hard-to-understand counselor. And so these words, they really don't make that much sense together. But when we think about Jesus and His birth and how He came and who He came to be and what He came to do, this starts to making sense. Because of course Jesus' birth and life was astonishing. Of course it was filled with miracles. And of course, it's still hard to understand. Counselor, uets, uets, denotes one who is worthy to advise kings, someone, someone who is just supremely wise. And even today in the modern Hebrew, this word still means someone like, like a, a college advisor or a financial consultant. That's how they use this word even in modern times. And it's why the teachers and priests marveled at Jesus' ability to teach and speak in the temple when he was 12. They're like, isn't this the kid we grew up knowing? Like, yeah, but how does he know what he knows? I don't know. Don't he go to school with your kid? Yeah, but where do you, they don't not doing this in Talmudim class. Like, doesn't he play with your little kid? Well, yeah, but my kid's not the sharpest crayon in a box. But this kid, who's he? Where does he get all this knowledge and know-how? It's because Jesus was both God and man, supremely wise, U.S. counselor. That's why thousands of people followed Jesus around in his ministry to see, just to see what he would see or say and do. That's why Pontius Pilate could not find any reason. The Roman magistrate of the area, like, I can't find anything wrong with him. He says what he needs to say. What's your problem? And he gave him back to the Jews to be crucified. And those that know Jesus receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is literally later called our counselor, our guide, still with us. Mighty God. And this is one of the many references where the name of God was applied to the Messiah, El, Emmanuel, Jesus. And because they put the El with this word, we know that God, in the form of Jesus, was both divine and man. We're also reminded that our God is mighty. He is mighty. Mighty enough to take away the guilt and the shame in your life. Mighty enough to erase your past and give you a fresh future. Mighty enough to help you stop your addictions and mighty enough to cure your diseases. Mighty enough to silence the storms in your life. Everlasting Father. This Emmanuel, this God with us who saves us, you know what? He does not leave us. 
He's here with us for eternity and came that we might have that eternity with Him. And literally these words translate as Father of Eternity to show us that this same God who was before time came in the form of a baby to then be with us forever. Prince of Peace. See, Jesus came to be peace for us in this world. In our world of of chaos and confusion, of, of frustration and worry, of sickness and just everything else. We can get so bogged down in the news and the media and all we have to do is turn on the TV to find out what's wrong in our community, in our world. It's chaos. It's confusion. But Jesus came to be our peace. And because this prophecy in Isaiah didn't have some specific date Because they didn't know when this was going to happen. It could be 800 years, 80 years, or 8,000 years. They didn't know. But they said, we're going to call him Prince of Peace. So it's no wonder that when the angels show up in that scripture reading that Scott said earlier, the angels show up and they sing of what? Peace. Hello. There's your clue. Here's the guy. That's why when Jesus first appeared to the disciples after the resurrection, the very first words he said to them, Peace be with you. Literally like, hey guys, I know you're freaked out that, you know, I just died and now I'm here again. Ta-da! Peace be with you. Calm down. It's going to be okay. It's also why in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But he said, take heart. I have overcome the world. See, this Christmas, I I don't know what's going on in your life. And if your 2016 was anything like mine, then you have a family member who is now no longer at the dinner table. Tonight, you may be trying to, to fight all the battles in your life, and it might seem like you're losing. You might be trying to find what seems left good in the world. You might be feeling completely alone. You might be surrounded by chaos in your day-to-day life and you just can't find a moment or a breath of space or a helping hand to just help you get through. You may feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. But you know what? That weight is something that your shoulders were never meant to carry. But Jesus can. Loneliness is is something that will end the moment, the moment you begin a relationship with Emmanuel, God with you. You're not alone. Fears about an eternity just disappear when you know who the father of it all is. Looking for good in the world stops the moment you find the wonder and the miracle that is Jesus Christ concerns about the direction of your life or direction or the path that you're supposed to go, just it ends when you trust the counselor you ask to guide your path. And the battles in your life get handed over to a mighty God who has already overcome the world. The chaos in your life can end when you make Jesus your peace. 
This is why 2,000 years ago, a son was born. And you know what? And you, you are why that son was given. And wherever you're at in your life tonight, I know three things are true. First, Jesus was born because He wanted to be with you. Emmanuel, your Emmanuel. You were made to be in a relationship with God. Second thing tonight, Jesus was born to save. His name even says it. And yes, He was born to save even you and me. Every single one of us here tonight is in need of a Savior. So trust the only name that can save you. Third, Jesus was born to be all of those identities, those descriptor words we just talked about. If you need peace in your life, call on the name of Jesus. If you need help in the battles of your life, call on the name of Jesus. If you need direction, if you need healing, if you need a safe place, if you need a miracle, if you need hope, if you need a rest, if you need joy, if you need a Savior, and you do, call on the name of Jesus. You see, one Trinitarian God was born as a baby, one baby, one life, to become one of us, human, to die one death and then live again, so that one by one by one by one by one, people would come to know that there is just one way and one truth and one life to be found in only one Savior. And that one Savior would encompass all the names we would ever need and would bear all the sin of the world, so that just one, just one more person would come to know all the goodness of God. You see, that is Christmas. And tonight, I don't know again what's going on in your life, but God does. The God who in His name came to be peace. An everlasting Father, a mighty God, wonderful. And your counselor. And your life up until today, or maybe even in this moment, might seem kind of like this candle. It's kind of dark. Not doing everything that you know it could be doing. Maybe like this one has got a few dings or scratches on it. He's been used before. We're broken. But tonight, tonight is an opportunity for the light of the world to once again, or maybe for the first time, enter your life and change it forever. See, that's what Christmas is. We can get so absorbed in the fact of how He came that we forget what He came to do in you and in me.